This is On Call, a podcast by Code Blue. Health is a human right. Hi, I'm Kanmani Batumalai from Code Blue. Welcome to On Call's talk show. It has been more than a month since the government has announced budget 2022. The government has allocated 32.4 billion ringgit for the Ministry of Health under budget 2022 and this is indeed a limited increase of about 1.5% from 31.9 billion ringgit allocated in budget 2021 despite ongoing threats from the COVID-19 pandemic. The marginal 1.6% increment marks the lowest budget increase for MOH since the 2019 budget. To compare, budget 2021 saw an expansion of 4.3% for MOH from 2020. The ministry's allocation in budget 2020 was raised by 6.6% from 2019, whereas the allocation in budget 2019 was raised by 7.8% from 2018. Let's talk about MOH's 2022 budget with Klang MP YB Charles Santiago today. Hi YB. As we are still in the midst of fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, especially during the emergence of new deadly COVID-19 variants like Omicron, next year's MOH budget seems to be challenging for the country to embrace another potential pandemic. What are your thoughts on this new health budget announced by the government? I think one of the set goals of the government of Natasri uh, Ismail Sabri's government uh going in the, the, the in the 12 Malaysia plan was to provide uh support for healthcare given the uh, covid crisis in the last two years and also to help recover the Malaysian economy so it's economic recovery and also to revitalize and also to upgrade healthcare in the country that was the focus of uh the speech that he gave and also uh, the focus of the 12 Malaysia plan so and i was listening to the prime minister speak i mean the finance minister speak uh, during budget and i was waiting specifically for healthcare and what exactly they are planning to do with healthcare uh and it troubled me when actually there isn't much of uh much of a desired allocation for uh, the ministry of health uh, of course there is an increase of 1.5% of the budget from last year but that 1.5 million is largely for covid related issues and also to buy vaccine so not really for the functioning and upgrading of the uh, healthcare system in the country though so i think in that sense this is a big letdown though is a big letdown because klang valley in particular suffered suffered in a very big way during the crisis during the covid crisis the covid pandemic uh hospitals did not have you know your oxygen uh, uh enough enough oxygen oxygen whatever that is another name to it i forget the name uh, lot of equipment were missing uh, were not available and uh individuals and civil society had to go and buy it and then give it to the hospitals uh there was a clear shortage uh there was a shortage of beds there was a shortage of emergency uh, room uh, equipment and beds as well uh, not only emergency but also intensive care unit and in some places there was no longer a distinction between the intensive care unit as well as emergency they were one and the same uh there was also a lack of uh, doctors especially specialists 
uh, during the economic crisis, uh, during the COVID crisis. So clearly what you see is that the government uh, uh, in the last two years was ill-prepared, uh, both in terms of planning, in terms of human resources, uh, as well as, uh, what do you call it, uh, prepared for a pandemic. Though. Clearly, totally ill-prepared, totally unprepared. Now, that, that, explain, that, ex that can be explained by the uh, lack of investments over the last so many years into healthcare. That is something that you can see. Uh, the reduction of healthcare, money going into healthcare, uh, and the demand increasing. So, therefore, I think um, to answer your question in a pointed fashion, it's a let down. It's a let down uh, because I think uh, healthcare should be given substantial increase uh, in the budget. So, the government's promise of trying to upgrade, uplift, and improve the performance of the healthcare system is not materialized, did not materialize. Uh, and uh, and I think that if there is going to be another crisis three, four months from now, down the road, or maybe six months down the road, we will have the same problem, though. So have we learned a lesson? No, we have not learned it. Uh, and I also think, you know, about the 27,000 people who have died. I think if there, if there was sufficient uh, preparation, sufficient planning, and sufficient equipment, and sufficient human resources, we could have saved so many lives. Though. We could have saved so many lives. Uh, I know in the case of Klang, uh, Hospital Tunkampan Rahima, uh, if they had all of the four things, you know, human resources, planning, equipment, uh, and uh, number of beds and so on, you could have saved so many lives. I mean, it was sh shocking to see uh, in this day and age, people who had to sit outside the emergency department for two, three days, uh, some even three, four days. Now, this is like a third world, this is the third world country, you know. I mean, we are, we are a developed country. This is something that you hear what's happening in Uganda or something that you hear in Kenya, but not in Malaysia, though. But that was what it was. So I think the government actually hasn't learned the lesson, uh, doesn't want to learn the lesson, uh, and, uh, and they will commit the same thing if, if there's a pandemic, uh, you know, in down, down the road in the next six, seven months. And I think we have spotted a new variant of concern, new variant of concern, uh, I think last week or the last 10 days uh, and that variant of concern seems to be all over the place so it could be another another um, um, uh, pandemic for all you know um, so we, we are not sure but the point is are we prepared in my view is we are not prepared uh, and the location clearly tells you that the government is not interested in preparing itself though. What are the healthcare areas you think the government should have focused on in budget 2022? Or what are the elements that should have been incorporated or improved in the healthcare system? Where exactly the problem lies in the healthcare system, Vibi Charles? Generally, uh, as I said earlier, in the last so many years, healthcare has suffered, uh, suffered as a result of less allocation. So you can see a general deterioration uh, of the care. Uh, and also the quality of equipment uh, that the, our doctors are using. Uh, and also you see the number of uh, specialists uh, that are working in public sector has also decreased. Uh, I think 70% are working for the private sector and only 30% are still working for the uh, government sector. Uh, and also we have not resolved the uh, trainee doctors issue. 
Uh, this is an ongoing issue for a long, long number, of, number of years. Has not been, it's not been resolved. So I would have thought that these issues would have been resolved. And also, if you look at the hospitals, these are hospitals, like the, the, the uh, Klang Valley hospitals. Uh, you have Klang, you have Shah Alam, you have Salayang, you have Sardang, uh, Putrajaya, and so on. Uh, but if you look at Klang, Klang uh, was built around 1970. Uh, now it's 2021. So you can see over the years, uh, the number of people, uh, the population size that the hospital uh, looks at, uh, it's just grown exponentially, though, exponentially. But the buildings are the same. Uh, the beds are the same. The chairs are the same. The numbers of doctors are also maybe slightly increased. But, and therefore, we have to change with the times and we need to increase the infrastructure as well. So, for example, Klang would need another hospital. So maybe Kapa is a place uh, that they should be looking at. Uh, Klang Kapa are neighbors, so the people, sh- uh, so it's not that far away. So I think there is no planning uh, for the next five years, uh, maybe for the next ten years. I don't, I don't see any planning here, though. And also preventive care. Uh, today we see uh, NCDs uh, increasing in a very big way, though. Whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, or whether it's heart-related conditions. Uh, and sometimes what you have to do is preventive care. So, if it's in cancer, what are what what are the preventive cares that are being put in place? Uh, what are the early detection methods that are being imposed? Nothing, nothing at all. Uh, you, the only thing is to when you do a blood test, you do a blood test mar- uh, cancer marker, but even that people say it's not reliable. <laughs> so you know, and then uh, preventive care also means that you need to educate people uh, on healthcare, on you know a healthy living. Uh, you don't have to you know exercising. Uh, meditation, those kinds of stuff. That's something that, that I think that should be done at early early stage in the schools, uh, and something that the Ministry of Health should be working together with other agencies uh, to promote that. Though, and that is to look at the holistic approach towards uh, healthcare. But unfortunately, it's not happening. It's not happening, uh, and it is almost like the government uh, healthcare is working in silo. Uh, that nothing else. They don't work with anybody else. They just work among themselves. So I think this is something that, that needs to be upgraded, though. And I also think, you know, there's also lack of far-sightedness. Uh, today, hospitals around the world are digitalizing uh, their information, patient information, uh, what, um, uh, pharmaceutical information, and so on and so forth. Now, I, I see uh, sometimes patients carrying all these big, big brown uh, folders and, you know, their x-rays inside it from hospital, one hospital to the other. Now, that can be easily avoided uh, through digitalization. So, I don't see why the government doesn't want to embark on digitalizing to begin with the urban hospitals and then subsequently the rural hospitals. Uh, that would save the government tons and tons of money in the long run. Uh, but there's, of course, an early cost, early uh, uh, sunk cost. But, you know, it can be different over the, over the period of five, five to ten years. So I think these are things that one can do. Uh, you know, you don't have to, you can, if you go to Tungkampuan uh, and a doctor refers you to, say, Sirdang, you don't have to carry all the files or you don't have to worry about making, uh, 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 calling the hospital and making the, uh, what do you call it, uh, appointment. It can be done all through uh, through the computer, mobile phone or smartphone. It sh- that's how you should be operating. But there's no uh, thinking around that. So you still have to carry the yellow folder, make the phone call which nobody picks up, 
you know, so those are the problems that you have. But with digitalization, you can avoid all of that and you can work efficient. And doctors can talk to each other almost on real time uh, from different hospitals if you have digitalization in, in process, in place. The Health Ministry's public health allocation increased significantly by 224.5 million ringgit from some 5 billion ringgit this year to 5.2 billion ringgit for 2022. And MOH data revealed that many follow-up treatments, including for diabetes and heart diseases, were initially deferred to the movement control order, but are now delayed due to ongoing fears of contracting the virus at health facilities. At the same time, the burden of NCDs in Malaysia continues to rise with one in five adults likely to be diabetic, one in three adults likely to have hypertension and two in five adults having high cholesterol levels. In this situation, how do you see the huge rise in public health allocation under budget 2022? Um, I think public health care is something that's important. It involves a lot of issues though, from education right up to um, uh, monitoring and quick, uh, what do you call it, um, um, uh, doctor response and so on and so forth. So that you have a whole lot of stuff. But I think generally it goes back to the larger problem that we have. That is, uh, are we getting sufficient education and awareness about what constitutes good health care? What constitutes a, healthcare per- a healthy person? What should a healthy person be eating? Though? Uh, I think those kinds of things... Uh, need to be emphasized. You, you don't want to fall sick. You want to make sure that you are healthy. Though. And then if you, if you have fever, you are sick, then you go to the hospital. But today, our eating patterns are creating obese people. I mean, children are obese. Malaysian number of children, I think the numbers on that, uh, the obesity is very high among children. So why are parents not controlling the children uh, in the, what they are eating? Adults are also obese. Teenagers are also obese. So obesity is a major problem, and that's something that public health care has to, uh, community health care as well. Uh, see, in, interesting, you can see in Latin American countries, including uh, uh, Cuba, it's very community-based, where the doctors know almost everybody in that particular community. Uh, and the, the health care system works in such a way that they know exactly who has got what problem uh, in their particular community. So sometimes we need to rethink uh, public health care, yes, but also the more detailed it is, the more uh, democratized it is, the more grassroots it is, the better it is in terms of overall management of health care in the country. Like Kerala, for example. The Kerala, the, the guy on the ground, uh, he will know exactly, or the doctor will know, or the hospital there will know exactly who has diabetes, who has typhoid, who has got this, what problems they are having, whether it's malnutrition and so on and so forth. So they know how to respond. I think that is the way to go uh, in terms of public health care. Vibi Charles, as you have just mentioned the significance of education to strengthen the country's public health sector, what do you think about the government's plan to tax vape liquids containing nicotine? The finance minister, when tabling budget 2022, said that the government plans to introduce excise duty on liquid or gel products containing nicotine used for electronic cigarettes and vapes. How do you see this move as this announcement has clearly indicated the government's intention to regulate instead of prohibiting e-cigarettes? 
I think they're going to uh, legalize it. Uh, people have been taking it, but you know everybody's kept quiet uh, because they're not really tobacco though. Uh, is vaping tobacco? Uh, tobacco, you, you know, you have leaves, but this is all chemicals though. So they're quite different in its components. They're quite different. So at least the way I understand it, they're two different uh, um, science subject matters. One on leaves, the other one on chemicals. It's chemically driven uh, processes. So, so now you're going to legalize it. And then when you legalize it, uh, and then that's the only way to make your uh, money from, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, taxes and so on. Uh, I'm sure the money government will make taxes on it. If they make $10, or say they make, say, uh, say 50 million, uh, say, say like 50 million is income, uh, is income through that. But the healthcare system will spend 100 million uh, when they get cancer, though, uh, when they fall sick. So this is where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. So before even a cost-benefit analysis is done, uh, the government has already come out to, say le to, to regulate it and also to legalize it. So I would have thought that they were done uh, a cost-benefit analysis in actually allowing uh, e-cigarettes e uh, to be implemented. And young people are going to have field day. They're going to smoke their lungs out, though. Uh, and, and that's why I don't quite understand what is the rationale for the government to actually have done that. Is it, is it just to, for tax taxation purposes? Or is it because pressure from the industry? What is the reason behind it? Uh, because it is definitely will become a burden on the healthcare system. Uh, and how much of it, we don't know, but definitely it will be in a high figure. So you might earn, say, 10 million or 50 million, whatever the numbers, uh, from taxes, but you will spend double that on, uh, on the beds as well as healthcare, and if you get cancer, on, on, on payment, on, on expenditure. So this is where, again, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and whether uh, it is not clear also whether the Ministry of Finance got the approval from the Ministry of Health before they made that announcement, though. I doubt the Ministry of Health would have allowed it, uh, but I, I've no, I'm, I'm not privy to any information. But I think this is something that the Ministry has to answer. The government also announced in Budget 2022 that the contracts of healthcare workers including medical, dental and pharmacy officers would be extended by up to four years after their two-year compulsory service. The government has also allocated some 100 million ringgit to sponsor specialist studies for 3,000 contract doctors and dentists. This is merely a measure to ensure continuity of a service temporarily, but not a permanent solution for the contract system issue. Is there any permanent solution to this problem, or what should the government do to overcome this issue? Uh, I think it's quite clear the government does not have a long-term solution. So when you don't have a long-term solution, you push it for them. Uh, yes, we'll come back to you. Uh, yes, now from three years, we can push it to four years. Yes, you can specialize. Uh, all that are nice suggestions, but it is, doesn't create uh, a sustainable working environment for the doctor in, 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 uh, in question. And the doctors themselves are quite organized now, and they want to dialogue with the government. And I'm sure there are some discussions are happening, but not sufficiently enough uh, to come to some conclusion on the future of... Uh, 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 of the, the contract workers, the contract contract doctors. Contract doctors are similar to contract workers uh, where contract workers don't have any kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, security uh, tenure uh, in terms of their job, in terms of their employment. So I think this is the same situation here. 
same situation where you really have to give them some comfort, some level of security, job security. Um, otherwise, they will be stranded. They wouldn't know what to do. And I know during the COVID period, a lots of them left. Lots of them left, not because they didn't want to contribute to the healthcare, but because they felt they were being shortchanged. Uh, and they feel that the private sector will, will, uh, will, will, will treat them better. Now, this is a major loss for the government sector. Though. This is a major loss for the public sector. And that should not be the way, though. That should not be the way. This is, this is the reason why, uh, you know, the, there's, there's a need for planning. There's a, re- a need for planning, not for one year, two year, but 10 year planning, 20 year planning, which clearly our guys are not doing. They just want to survive from year to year. And this is not the way to manage public health. The impact of COVID-19 on the country's healthcare system has resulted in increased healthcare costs with delayed screening for non-communicable diseases such as cancer and diabetes, as well as a huge backlog of over 59,000 procedures. In fact, YB, you also suggested the government invest a minimum of 50 million ringgit to set up a national cancer fund to help those with a household income of 5,000 ringgit and below. Several other health advocates too have called on the government to allocate specific fund for cancer drugs. So is it fair to say that the MOH's uh, 2022 budget has neglected or did not focus on uh, delayed cancer care in Malaysia, especially during uh, this COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people's uh, surgeries, appointments, even to collect medicine have been postponed and rescheduled. And clearly this would have made the situation worse for people who are with cancer. Um, I know of people who uh, had to cancel uh, their surgery and have died. Uh, and um, so this does not speak well again for the way we manage our healthcare system. We should be able to do, it bo- do both. That means COVID care on one side, as well as to manage the hospital the way it, should, it was managed previously. Uh, but because of poor planning this, and also the volume of people who were falling sick, uh, all the hospitals in the Klang Valley had to be converted uh, towards, uh, uh, what do you call it, a COVID uh, um, uh, standalone hospitals. So I think this again goes back to planning, though. goes back to planning. And because uh, they left the planning towards the very last, to the very end, they were caught right-handed with their pants down, didn't know what to do with it. So therefore, they started trans- changing all the, the hospitals into COVID hospitals, COVID standalone hospitals. I think this is totally unfair to the guys who are already going into therapy, who are already going to seek appointments, and who already have committed uh, themselves to surgeries. Totally unfair. But, but unfortunately, because of the failure of government, people are suffering, though, and people suffered uh, the loss of life. And not only in COVID, but also on, on NCD cases. And I see, we, we have this impression, I don't understand how, just because now the borders are open, suddenly COVID has disappeared. The impact of COVID has also disappeared. People are not talking about it anymore. Uh, all they're saying, so thank God I'm no more at home. Thank God I'm back to work. Yeah, but the impact of it, unemployment is still there. People are sick. People uh, 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 whose uh, surgeries were rescheduled are suffering more. People who did the surgery but couldn't go back for follow-up are suffering. So, you know, we are all short, short memory, you know, short memory. Uh, and therefore, I, that is one of the reasons why I propose uh, a cancer fund, a need for a national cancer fund f- to help people whose uh, income uh, is less than 5,000 ringgit 
Uh, and as you know, people, when you have cancer, the ability to earn income, your ability to pay your rent uh, uh, becomes a problem. To have food, when you have medicine, after one, two, three years, you, you can't pay your medicine anymore. And cancer medicine is not cheap. Uh, it is a very expensive disease. Uh, and therefore, I, my proposal was to help people who are, especially from the B40, uh, I know it's no longer B40, it's now B60, uh, with funds, with support. Uh, Magna does some support, but it is not enough. The government has to come in a big way uh, to support uh, people. We still have a long way to go and seek immediate policy interventions to provide better healthcare services to fellow Malaysians, especially when a large fraction of Malaysians have lost their job and income due to COVID-19 pandemic. It was indeed great speaking to you, YB. Thanks for sharing your insights on Budget 2022. Let's talk more on other pertinent healthcare issues and policies in the next episodes of On Call. Have a nice day.